0: Section eight of the Strange Visitation. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elise Black, Atlanta, Georgia. The Strange Visitation by Marie Corelli. Out into the storm again on the wings of the bitter winter wind. All the sunshine of the spiritual climate vanished and a great panorama of dark clouds moved rapidly through the freezing air. Clouds everywhere. Clouds of fantastic form and giant shape. Clouds like rocky fortresses set on the summits of high mountains. Clouds resembling huge, ruminative animals, wallowing in ether. Clouds heavy and threatening, suggesting pent-up thunder and jagged flame. Like a couple of midges, the goblin and its human victim were tossed from edge to edge of the thick rolling vapors, and when they descended to earth once more, Josiah Macnason found himself in the small best parlor of an unpretentious residence, one in a row of similar dwellings in an unpretentious street. "'Keep your eyes open, Macnason,' said the goblin, "'and your ears. Nobody sees you, you know, or me. We're invisible.' and if you want to curse and swear, do so by all means. Nobody hears and nobody cares. Josiah looked and saw before him a man reclining in an invalid chair near a small, bright fire, his eyes fixed on the sparkling flames with a patient and wistful sadness. A pale, sweet-faced woman with soft brown hair somewhat silvered knelt by him clasping one of his hands tenderly in her own. There were traces of tears on her worn, thin cheeks, and her lips quivered, and standing close by, with one arm resting on the mantelpiece, and eyes bent compassionately down upon the pair, was another man whom Macnason had no difficulty in recognizing as his overseer, Mr. Pitt. Yet his surprise at this was so great that he could not forbear an exclamation. "'Pitt, here! How the devil!' "'Exactly,' said the goblin.' How the devil, and why the devil, only the devil knows. Josiah groaned, and then the overpowering dumbness that had seized him before caught him again in its paralyzing power. Stricken mute himself, he was nevertheless forced to listen with the closest attention to all that passed around him. And when Pitt spoke, the sound of that equable, familiar voice sent a new and violent shock through his already racked nervous system. "'Mr. Macnason is a man of iron,' said Pitt. "'There's no doubt about it. In fact, he's harder than any metal, for metal can be made to melt, and he can't.' The man in the invalid chair moved restlessly. "'Did he remember me at all? Did you remind him?' he murmured. "'Yes, Willie, I did.' I even recalled the days when you used to carry his little son on your shoulder, round to see the works. And I said, Dove was one of the smartest men in your employ, and brought valuable custom to the firm. But it was all no use. No use. He paused, and then addressed himself gently to the woman who knelt by her husband's side. I am sure, Mrs. Dove, you believe that I have done my best. Indeed. 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 "'I know you have,' she answered earnestly. "'And, after all, I never had much hope. "'Mr. Macnason must have endless claims upon his purse, and memory. "'It is so seldom one finds a very, very rich man "'who cares to help little outside troubles like ours.' "'Here her voice trembled dangerously, and she ceased. Willie Dove sighed a little wearily. "'Ah, well,' he said, "'I did my best for him in my day.' and I thought he might possibly be disposed to do me a good turn now. It's true, I haven't so many years before me, but I've got some working power left if I could only get well. I'm afraid it's my fault, Will, said his wife piteously. You could, of course, go to the hospital, and doctors would attend to you there, but, oh, I couldn't bear it. I couldn't bear it. And here her self-control gave way, and she began to sob. "'I couldn't bear to see you taken away from me "'after all the years we have spent so happily together. "'I couldn't bear to think of you ill "'and in a place where I could only get at you "'at stated times, with strangers always about you. "'It is very foolish of me, and perhaps very wrong, "'but I I cannot help it.' "'Her husband stroked her bent head "'with his thin, delicate hand. "'Don't cry, Ginny,' he said softly. "'I won't go away from you. "'I'd rather die.' Mr. Pitt coughed obstreperously. Look here, Dove, he said. Don't let us be miserable on Christmas Eve. I left McNason himself looking as wretched as a plucked crow. Poor old chap. With all his money, I wouldn't be in his shoes for the world. Tell me, what did the doctor say when he saw you today? About the same as he has always said, replied Dove resignedly that an operation would not only relieve but cure me, and that he should like to perform it here in my own house and get a good surgical nurse to attend upon me with my wife's assistance. For my wife is a capital nurse, aren't you, Jenny? He caressed the bent head again and went on. He thinks me of too nervous a temperament to do well away from home. There followed a silence. Presently Pitt spoke again in determined accents. "'I tell you what it is, dove,' he said. "'I'll lend you the money.' Dove started. You, Mr. Pitt? Yes, I. And Pitt, smiling, drew himself up with an air of resolution. I can't afford it a bit, but I'll risk it. I'll risk it because, well, because it's Christmas time. Now don't try to get up. For Dove, raising himself in his chair with some difficulty, caught at Pitt's hand and grasped it hard while tears stood in his eyes. And don't thank me because I can't bear to be thanked. It's Christmas time, as I've said and I've always had old-fashioned ideas of Christmas. My mother taught them to me. God bless her, I think, and his voice sank a little, that perhaps we ought to spare a little gold, frankincense, and myrrh, just at this season, and this loan to you will be my thank-offering. Though it's a poor thing at best, for you see, I can't give you the money, Willie. McNason could have given it and never have missed it, but I can't. I wish I could. However, if you'll take the will for the deed— And now Mrs. Dove, rising gently from her knees, came up to him and laid her hand on his arm. "'God bless you, Mr. Pitt,' she said in her clear, sweet tones. "'He will bless you. Be sure of that. What you lend to us is more than given, because you have such a friendly sympathy with us, and sympathy is greater than gold. I will not even try to thank you.' "'No, don't,' interrupted Pitt hastily, pressing her hand hard. "'It's—it's all right.' Dove and I will arrange our business matters, and I'll see the doctor tomorrow, even though it is Christmas Day. "'I'll pay it all back,' said Dove, excitedly. "'I can work well still. I've got all my wits about me. And I have a fine offer from a firm to undertake some affairs for them immediately, if I can only pull up my strength. And I think I shall manage now.' Pitt here drew a chair to the fire opposite the sick man and sat down. "'It's a curious thing,' he said.' the possession of enormous wealth hardens some people and makes them not only difficult to deal with, but often positively cruel to themselves and to others. Now, if one is to judge by outward looks, Mr. McNason, though a multimillionaire, is just about one of the most miserable men alive. The goblin chuckled and gave Josiah a nudge with its sharp elbow. Hear that, McNason, it said. It'll do you good to learn what other folks think of you. "'So old, so feeble, and so lonely,' went on Mr. Pitt, almost pathetically. "'When he refused to do anything for your assistance, Dove, I was inclined to be very plain-spoken and give him a bit of my mind, even at the risk of offending him. But seeing what a forlorn old wreck he seemed, with his shriveled body and wrinkled face, I thought it was no use being angry with him, especially at Christmas time. He's not long for this world.' Again, the goblin nudged Josiah's arm, and its fiery eyes glowed with railway signal brilliancy. It's not exactly age that will kill him," went on Pitt meditatively. "He's not seventy yet, and ought to look much healthier and stronger than he does. My father is eighty-two and is as well set up a veteran as anyone could wish to see. Walks at six miles a day, and as young as heart as a boy. But of course, he has always lived a very simple life and never hankered after more money than just as much would keep him going and save him from debt. Mr. Macnason has all the cares of an immense business on his brain, and naturally a breakdown must come sooner or later. He ceased. A gust of wind roared down the chimney, throwing the flames of the little fire crookedly to and fro. Mrs. Dove shivered and looked about her uneasily. "'What a stormy night,' she said. "'Not at all a peaceful Christmas.' Her husband, lying restfully back in his chair, smiled at her. The peace must be in our hearts, Ginny, he said. If we don't keep Christmas there, it's no Christmas at all. Storm or calm, it's a blessed time, a time of thanksgiving, a time of hope. So it is, agreed Pitt, and so may it always be. Now, Mrs. Dove, bring out a bottle of that old port your good doctor sent me the other day, and we'll drink to Willie's recovery and health and general usefulness and we'll wish Old MacNason a Merry Christmas, too. They all laughed, and Mrs. Dove set the whining glasses on the table. Mr. Pitt poured out the ruby-red cordial, and raising his own glass to his lips, said, A Merry Christmas to you, Mrs. Dove. A Merry Christmas to you, Willie, and to our grim and gaunt Old Governor, Mr. MacNason, a Merry Christmas also, and may he find something better than riches in the next world, and be all the happier for the finding." They all three drank this toast, and while they drank, Josiah McNason trembled in every limb, with an ague of exceeding cold. Was he so near death, he wondered, that even Pitt could see the near approach of his end? He turned his miserable eyes upon the goblin who grinned. "'Brother Firebrand was quite right, you see,' it remarked. "'Soon, very soon, you will be one of us. We are your next world, you know.' and riches don't count in our United Empire Club. Oh, you'll be happy, Macnason. Oh, yes, you'll be so happy because you will have reaped the just reward of your labors, and you will be exactly what you have made of yourself. Nothing could be more satisfactory. Listen, Willie Dove is talking about you now. And so he was. Willie Dove was speaking in the kindest and gentlest way possible of the man who had refused to help him in his need. Well, I hope Mr. McNason will live many years yet, he said, and that he will learn how to enjoy and get the best out of the large fortune he has made. The amount of good he could do if he liked is simply incalculable, and if he would only use some of his money just for the sole purpose of benefiting others, and would not merely put it out like a magnet to draw more money in again, he would be the happiest man alive. For instance, if instead of subscribing large sums to charities— which are presided over by committees who use up half the money for their own expenses, he would go himself among the poor, and personally relieve them at first hand. If he would try to help those who are with great difficulty trying to help themselves, those who cannot borrow and will not beg, if he would just put himself out a bit, and that's just what he won't do, interposed Pitt. He can't see anything or anybody but himself. That's the pity of it. "'Poor soul,' said Mrs. Dove gently. "'We mustn't forget that he lost his only son, a dear little boy. "'And that may have embittered him. "'All our children have been mercifully spared to us, thank God. "'But even if one had been taken, "'I'm sure we should always have been thinking of that one. "'And his one was his all. "'We must remember that. "'And however hard he is upon us, we mustn't be hard upon him.' That wouldn't be keeping Christmas rightly. At this, Josiah turned and flung himself desperately against the goblin's paunch. Take me away, he muttered, finding his speech with an effort. Take me out of this. I don't want to stop here. I want to get away, quick. Coals of fire, eh? said the goblin. A trifle scorching even on a thick skull like yours, MacNeason. So you'd forgotten Willie Dove, had you? Curious. He was always a very excellent fellow, though, and one of the best men in your employ. The honor of the firm was the first thing with him at all times, and you owe to his hard work and straight principles more than you have the honesty to acknowledge. But it's no use trying to tip the balance of things, McNeason. That balance always rights itself. Good is good, and evil is evil. You can't make one out to be the other, however much you try." If you're spiteful, if you're mean, if you're unthankful for the blessings bestowed on you, and more than all, if you refuse to help those who have helped you, you are punished. You are, really. And a good sound flogging you get, I can tell you. Oh, Beelzebub, don't I know this. When I was a church warden... Will you do as I ask you, implored Josiah desperately. Get me out of this. I want to go home. Poor old baby. Wants to go home, does it? Jeered the goblin. Oh, but it mustn't be naughty. It must go where its nursey takes it. Just another little righty-pighty in its coachy pochy And rising aloft on its skeleton toes, the goblin grew larger and more threatening of aspect, while its bat wings, slowly unfurling, seemed spreading out so darkly and interminably that Josiah fell on his knees in terror. Just another taste of the supernatural, Macneason. Just another little experience of Hell's United Empire Club. "'No, no,' gasped the trembling millionaire. "'Let me get home. Give me a chance to, to—' His voice gurgled away into a faint tremolo. "'Chance? You've had a thousand chances,' retorted the goblin scornfully. "'And you've thrown them all away. Now you're asking for one chance? Oh, hooroo! Come and see how Christians love one another, with a love that perhaps you may appreciate because it is so like hate.' Come and hear an ordained clerical Judas deny his master. You and such men as you, gorged with gold and diseased with self, are chiefly to blame for the wicked blasphemies which today brand the Christian world with infamy. Come, come. Blasphemy will suit you. You have aided it and abetted it many a time, even though you are a church warden. Oh, hooroo, hooroo. Come in the spirit of 1 Timothy 2. Come, 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 and like a great phantom of black night descending, the goblin swooped upon Josiah once more, the little quiet room where Willie Dove, his wife, and friend were all cheerily drinking. A Merry Christmas was blotted from his sight, and again limitless space enshrouded and enveloped him in darkness. End of Section 8 Recording by Elise Black, Atlanta, Georgia